watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and today we have three movies for you. The Happy Time Murders, Support the Girls, and The Wife. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consuming moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life's too short for that mess. Jason, what is up with you, man? Well, <laughs> thanks for asking, man. It has been a fine week, more or less. Uh, well, first off, I just want to say that this past weekend I did something I hadn't done in a long time, which was... Um, develop some of my self-respect. No, actually, opposite of that, I worked on um, writing. I wrote something just for myself for the first time in a long time, like a personal essay um, about um, a job that I used to have. Mm. Um, and that job was the job of a jizz mopper at an all-gay male strip club called the Knob Hill Adult Theater. Can you just one more time and slower? Jizz mopper. A little bit faster. Jizz mopper. So <laughs> I did that, and um, and uh, it was yeah, it was really really fun to just write something for myself, and and I did go back. Uh, the reason I wrote it was because the Knob Hill Adult Theater, which uh, has been in business in San Francisco for fifty years, and which uh, has been, or at least currently has been, the only male strip club in the city, uh, it just closed last weekend, and uh, so I wrote up a little piece about it. Uh, you can read it over on uh, the podcast website, actually. It's up on the binge.us. Um, and uh, and please, everyone, share in my, my jizzy memories. <laughs> I welcome you all. Um, Why did it close? Um, because the owners are retiring to Palm Springs. Uh, uh, jealous. As is, you know, so it's nice. It's not like the gentrification boogeyman. It's just like... Just good old-fashioned old queens retiring to Palm mm. Springs and being like, we're done with this mess. This is the cycle of life. It is. Yeah, it's, it's the way God intended it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then last week, I actually saw uh, Ellen DeGeneres do stand-up uh, on her first San Francisco show uh, in 13 years. Whoa. And also her first run of any stand-up in 13 years. Uh, so because... Is it n- new content? Content? It is. It is. It is. That word. It's new content. Um, it's been yeah. It's been 13 years since she did her last stand-up tour, which I also saw in Pittsburgh, as I was in college at the time. And um, and yeah, she has decided that she wants to get back into stand-up. Wow. And uh, and so we went and saw her at Davies Symphony Hall. And um, you know, I you know, I, I certainly didn't really know what we were going to get right. from Ellen at this point. And uh, and it is. Well, first of all, looking around, um, I began to realize that we are not, I guess, the typical Ellen fans, um, because the typical Ellen fans are essentially just, like, cloned versions of her studio audience mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things that she said when she first came out was, <clears throat> or on the stage at least, was, you know, for those of you who only know me as a talk show host or talking fish, I'm also a stamp comic, <laughs> uh, or at least I used to be. And um, and you could almost hear this like, oh, hub, 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 in the audience, wow. like it's like, and and they just didn't know, they don't know. And she, that's that's what she is to me. You know, she's a stand up yeah. and she's a sitcom star because I'm old. <laughs> oh my god, the, the show was amazing. Yeah, not to mention life changing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and at one point she said like. 
yep, I'm still gay uh, during the stand-up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I, like, like, I felt very, it was a cathartic moment just to hear her say that in person. Um, so it's a weird kind of, this, this whole thing is going to be on Netflix pretty soon. So basically mm. she's doing this little run of dates leading into a taping for Netflix. And, um, and, uh, so to give you a little teaser of what you're going to get from it, um, it is sort of a combination of, of up and, uh, sit down and yeah, and sit down, uh, basically sort of like one woman career retrospective, like sort of shoring up her legacy, uh, that kind of thing being, you know, just talking about where she came from and how she got where she is um, and balancing that with just real classic, very, very, very gentle Ellen DeGeneres observational humor. Like the peanuts? About, <laughs> about you know, restaurants and bathrooms and driving and things like that. Um, and uh, and it is uh, it is very, very harmless. It is very, very harmless. Mm. Um, it is definitely, if anyone's looking for a post-Nanette Ellen, <laughs> they are not going to get that from this special. If, they, if they're looking for any sort of political content, they are not going to get that from the special. So is it a, you think it's a big change from pre-Ellen show, Ellen stand-up? Because some of her stuff no. was pretty light. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. It's very much in keeping with it. She basically picks up right where she left off. Okay. Um, okay. Comedy-wise. And um, and the times have not changed her. Uh, so and yeah, and, and and she was funny, and it's kind of it, she she seems like she's really just trying to like reckon and reconcile with her who she was when she was a stand up because mm. she she you know she kind of almost seems to be taking a step back from Ellen the the talk show host persona, and she kind of speaks candidly about how she's kind of fatigued with mm. interviewing celebrities and asking them questions about their projects. And um and the fucking dancing, which she is mm. not. She's like I have nothing but regret <laughs> that we started started doing the dancing as a joke in the first season. Um, but with that said, she did dance also during the show, oh. and and gotta give the people what they and want. The middle aged white lady next to me got her entire life um, <laughs> while that was happening. Your plus one, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, um, so, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was, but it was still. I mean, she and she's sixty now. And that's crazy, isn't it nuts? Oh my god, that means I'm older too. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, that's uh, terrible for me. You know those things are always related. Um, and uh, yeah, and she and she talked about um, you know she talked very candidly about the kind of that point in her career where she lost everything after she came out. Oh right. And, uh-huh. and um, you know, which was when I <laughs> that's the last time I saw her was when she was still in that kind of like you know I'm I'm the world's biggest nobody mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. kind of kind of phase. So yeah, it was uh, yeah it was it was just a real it was a real treat. It was. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Um, you know, as someone who loved her stand-up before, watched the show, thought it was hilarious, even outside of the, of the gay stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, just realized that she was doing her thing and getting out there, had no interest in the show whatsoever, never watched it, maybe have seen a clip of something on, right. on YouTube once or twice. Yeah, I like it when she scares people. <laughs> I a little bit that. Oh, I guess I, see, I saw Tiffany Haddish Oh yes, when she... Right. I think you made me watch that. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> You know, in the way that I'm like, this is not for me, but like, I'm so excited for you and happy. And, and it's nice to know that we can kind of, you know, I can experience her again in the way that I um, like to. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say for those of you out there, if you also are not so familiar with Ellen as a stand up, I will recommend her comedy album called Taste This, mm. uh, which is just a comedy artifact, if ever there was one. Mm. Um, it is just 
it's a holy grail to me. It's mm-hmm. it's so 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 funny. And she even tells a story in this stand up set, um, the one she's doing right now about how her um, famous phone call to God bit uh, mm. first came together. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Which actually has a tragic backstory. It's about how her no. She, she, Okay. <laughs> I'll leave it. You're like, leave it. No, leave, leave it. it. Leave it. All right. Um, so speaking of, so one, speaking of uh, Netflix comedy shows, I mm. went to one about a year ago, give or take, and it was Fred Armisen. Mm-hmm. And uh, they recorded the whole thing and they had two showings and there were cameras all over and they were, you know, like they pause and they stop and they oh, did yeah. some things. And um, I was sitting like really close to like one of the drum sets because he like kind of went around and played all these different drum sets for the different. I mean, the show was terrible. It was mm-hmm. not funny at all. Mm-hmm. But I was edited out. They like ended up cutting back. They, I know they cut like right. They were showing the, the same show I was at. I could tell because the guy in front of me was dressed like a, a giant wizard. Oh, sure. And then they turned the camera again and they cut. They, they had the other uh. audience in. You were waiting to see yourself. I was. You had scrawled, you'd feverishly scrawled, subscribed to the binge on iTunes mm-hmm. uh, on a piece of on paper. On a piece of paper. Holding it held up. Held it up. Maybe that's why they cut me out. I mean, it was worth a shot. I'll say mm-hmm. that. Uh, Rebecca, what's up with you? So, and in my other related story, yeah. um, I also saw a stand-up comedian this week. Oh. Um, I saw David Cross at the Fox Theater. Uh, it's the second time I've seen him in like... Um, six months or something like that. Oh, yeah, because he was here for Sketchfest. Yeah, he doing, was. Doing all kinds of little gigs. Mm-hmm. And he, so you saw him at Sketchfest, right? I did. And like the set that I saw before you got cut really short. They like, mismanaged time. And so um, it was like almost as though finally you get to finish that set. Um, <laughs> and it was great. It, I, I love him. I think he's my favorite of all the comics. Wow. Regardless of how, how some might compare him to sour milk. <laughs> We we were accosted by a friend last night uh, <laughs> when Rebecca related that she had seen David Cross, um, and that friend did indeed describe David Cross as the sour milk of comedy. Mm, I mean, isn't that a lot of comics though? Yeah, I that's mean, like I feel like, that's like a style. Like observational the sour milk. Mm-hmm. Right, where you just like absurdist. <laughs> that's the sour milk tone, and I think that you know he does have that. Um, but also at the show, it was at the Fox Theater in Oakland. Um, my girlfriend and I look over and we're like, is that, could it be, is it? And it was Boots Riley, uh, director Ooh. of... Sorry to bother you. Sorry, uh, yeah. Uh, what, Binge It? Definitely Binge It of the uh, mm-hmm. Pick of the Week. Yes, it was. Uh, sorry to bother you. Then uh, we loved. And after the show, uh, my girlfriend said hi to him and I, and I said hi. And um, so I, so this is the first time I've ever dated anyone who looks... a at all kind of like me uh and so i you know i normally go down that road of being paranoid about everything and i was like i wonder if anyone's gonna think we're related and i was like oh are we related and I'm like no um possibly <laughs> maybe i don't know and then yeah, i was night like terror's plot come to life i mean it really is <laughs> um and so, so nobody would really think that like you would only think that if you only saw people in terms of like their height and their skin tone otherwise mm-hmm. i don't think we look alike at all and hair color and hair i mean that's skin tone hair color sure. right you know and so, like the 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 natural result is that, like, oh, so a racist would think so. Mm-hmm. And then, so we're there, and and uh, and I turn around, I say hi to Boots, and he was like, oh, I was like, your movie's amazing, thank you so much, it's, it's so exciting and interesting, blah blah blah. And then he was like, are you, are you two sisters? And I was like, I I was like, are. Because you can't call Boots Riley a racist is a thing. I mean, I I, I, mean, I, I could. I wish you could have tried. I I I I should have tried. You should have just started like facebook living the entire thing the whole and, thing and Boots Riley, who just asked me and my girlfriend if we're sisters just because we look alike <laughs> wait what gotcha journalism we don't look alike mm, no i mean because that was the question oh right from him mm. yes mm. 
Do we look alike? Trying to turn the table on me. Be yeah. like, what'd you just say about me and so You're racist. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been bottled up. It's been bottled up. It had to come out at some point. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me get that out. So that was my yeah. um, awkward moment of yes but then and then soul read something into that did oh she yeah not? uh yeah she was like well you know why would why would somebody ask well, i was almost gonna do an impression which is a terrible idea <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to hear that um very bad at impressions <laughs> i'll take it offline uh like well someone someone would only ask that if they were like trying to figure out what your situation was and i was like oh because you know i mean i get hit on by men all the time mm-hmm. but like yeah I forget, you know, you forget. You do. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I could see it. He was very smiley. He's either the incredibly friendly or he um, also, like us, likes people who looks like us, look like us. It's possible, can, you know. You can know. You know, and it's possible that if Soul had not been there, that you and him could have had a wild night of passion. <laughs> I mean... Who knows? <laughs> it's really who knows. Really, only God. I like how you're like now. Like if you guys weren't dating, just like if right. she wasn't if there. If she wasn't there, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a wild night. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Sorry to bother you, indeed. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was a, a, a exciting and awkward brush with celebrity. <laughs> I mean, I I admire that you did go to speak to him. Mm, it wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, it was her. Apparently, they're just like star-crossed lovers, and I'm just standing in the way. She's like one. She's like one touch away from Tessa Thompson. You know, I'm holding her back. You know what they call that? They call that um, when you use someone to help you move one place in life, even though you're also planning on just jumping right from that person onto another place in life. A flea. It's. Uh, I believe it's a lily padding. Lily padding. Yes. So Soul's using you as a lily pad, right to Boots Riley. She got I you. Mean, that's a good See, one, though. She and she, she she struck pretty close to her target. I mean, and she found a queer person of color in Oakland, uh, yeah, and then became their uh, their live-in girlfriend. And now she has found Boots, and now you go about your here your we life. are, yeah. And I was like, "Are you sure you want to live in Oakland?" And she was like, "Yes, we should live in Oakland. Whoever, I should have known." Yes. Ah. <sighs> See, so it wasn't even in a long con. Honestly, it didn't take very long. Not very long at all. The shortest of Where cons. Where are they now? <laughs> Ready to check it. Oh, she just texted me. Oh, she knows. She's on her way here. Are you alone all this month? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this isn't boots. She's like, fuck. <laughs> She's it's, like, it's just, uh, it's like it, it just uh, two emojis of feet. <laughs> okay, enough of this. And now I'm starting to get jealous and angry. Uh, speaking of j- angry, yeah, the first movie this week is The Happy Time Murders. In the seedy underbelly of Los Angeles, two clashing detectives, one human and the other a puppet, must work together to solve the brutal murders of former cast members of a beloved puppet TV show. You two are the most decorated officers in this department. What do you say? Looks like a robbery gone wrong to me. This wasn't a robbery. This was a hit. Welcome. Someone out there <gasps> is killing puppets. Hey, handsome. You looking for some rotten cotton? I'm a woman. That's okay. Yeah, that's even better. Got a good time for you. <laughs> We're gonna catch the bastards who did these murders. Because bodies are gonna start piling up. You're one of the best damn cops I've ever seen. I'll have your badge for this. I'm in the fucking FBI. Oh yeah, what's that stand for? Fucking big idiot. <laughs> Jason, you made me see this movie, and I am already mad at you from the last little bit we were doing <laughs> the last part of this conversation and rebecca why did i make you see this movie because i love puppets i went to a puppet workshop i have a lot of puppets or have had puppets i am a muppet aficionado and now for our listeners would you like to tell them that you're being serious 
Oh, yeah, I'm being absolutely serious. She's being very serious. Mm-hmm. I know the Henson stitch. Um, it's, a, it's a thing. It's like his special stitch that he used to make Kermit in the folk so that you can't see the stitch on the outside. I saw Rebecca tell this to someone last night. And then when that person asked more about what it was, I could see Rebecca tense over as if to say, I paid to learn the Henson stitch. <laughs> and I'm just going to give it away. I mean, to yeah, some asshole. tell somebody? No. Right. You just called David Cross sour milk. <laughs> uh, so now what is, I'm like, what is your root with puppets? Where, where does this love of puppets come from? Because it, it's, it's, it's an uncommon thing. Uh, it's actually kind of funny. I just got a new puppet like two weeks ago from the Monterey Bay Aquarium. This like adorable little otter puppet. Oh, those with otters the, are the cutest. With the, with the little paws up. And they do, yeah. And then the feet and the hands move oh, and the mouth. And uh, it's a wonderful soft puppet. And then um, I was I was playing with it and um, and people have, have, they're like, you're so good at that. It's so weird. Like, why are you so good at that? And then like, it just came to me, only child. Only child with a lot of puppets. Oof, this got dark real quick. Oh, I, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> didn't know this is where it's going to take it. Really? I feel like... Because I'm just picturing like you as a lonely little girl being like, I have friends. Well, I also uh, had a dog. And now to this day, you have very strong attachments to puppets and animals. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess this show is therapy now. <laughs> awesome. It seems to work out that way a lot. Um, which you'll need more of now that you've had this bombshell dropped on you by your girlfriend. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so uh, longtime puppet fan. And as such, when I first, I can remember back to when we were at Dining Out for Life this year mm. um, for uh, a few months back. Uh, I think that's when I first got some sort of pop-up notification about the existence of this movie, The Happy Time Murders. And looking at the premise, it was like, oh, Melissa McCarthy and like a raunchy hard R puppet comedy. I was like, well, that sounds delightful. And then we're showing it to you like, look, look, we get to seem like something that you would love. And so then I was surprised. I don't remember what you said. Um, I wasn't really listening, but I was just like, look at my thing. Bye. And, and, uh, and then whenever I mentioned to you that I'm like, oh yeah, happy time murders. There's a screening coming up. We can be on the show. You were very resistant to seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I love the Muppets in a way that is like, it, they're already adult and they're already, um, like, you know, we talked about Mr. Rogers, like they don't speak down to kids. Um, there's always something in it. They were always like a little flirty um, and clever and, but also very sweet. And I, I feel like this is the the opposite response of what I was talking about with, with uh, the Winnie the Pooh movie from mm-hmm. the other week is that like I was scared it was going to be like, this isn't your daddy's poo. This poo right. is like here to rock. And like that's right. exactly what this was. And it's a fucking nightmare. Yes. <laughs> Her eyes are on fire right now. <gasps> <laughs> You're so filled with anger. Uh, yes. Uh, this movie is so much worse than I had dared imagine. Um, I just didn't think, I, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Is it a comedy coming out at the very end of August mm. um, featuring Liz McCarthy and puppets? Um, yes. Uh, but I don't know. I was holding out hope because I feel like Melissa McCarthy delivers, you know, the Melissa McCarthy vehicles usually deliver, I'm going to say, like 65% of the time. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's that's more than half. And so I was like, and she already fucked up once this year with Life of the Party. Mm. Uh, which also had her and Maya Rudolph in it. And so that makes 2018 a year in which not one, but two Melissa McCarthy, Maya Rudolph movies came out and cumulatively had no laughs. Yeah. 
How is that possible? What is happening to the world? Like this is that I need to start drawing attention to this because I feel like it's it's like a horseman of the apocalypse or something. Mm. It's bad I news. Mean, the other three are already here. Yes, they are. So now the gang's all here, <laughs> and now we know what's up. And the Happy Time Murders turned out to be the thing that pushed things over the edge once and for all for humankind. I mean, I knew I had all this at stake, and I went in ready to hate it, and my mind like was pretty much made up. And then what I saw failed in ways I didn't even know it would. So with you, with not so much at stake or expecting things, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way or, or ha- being, having the potential to be completely heartbroken and infuriated, tell me, tell me your thoughts on the movie. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I saw someone describe it earlier today in a way that I thought was very apt. They said, um, it's a one joke movie minus the joke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, because and that is the way I, I I was thinking. This is a one joke movie. This is a movie that you either okay. So I feel like you either find the visual of puppets doing and saying incredibly raunchy things. You find that either innately hilarious, or you just don't find it funny at all. Unless the material itself is actually funny or clever or witty in any way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, because obviously there's like Avenue Q. You know, mm-hmm. like they're in there's, you know, to a, to a different extent with like marionettes, there's um, Team America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so if the material is there, uh, then it can be very funny. But the joke should not ever be just the mere physical fact of a puppet doing something raunchy. Mm-hmm. That's no better than like, oh, like babies or grandmas swearing. Right. right. Uh, like that's that's like a really, really cheap non laugh. Yeah. Uh, you know, the lowest hanging fruit of comedy. And I feel like this never gets anywhere clever with anything, with any of the jokes, with any of the gags. Um, and it tries to go in these really kind of weird shock places that also themselves are not funny or clever no. in any way. They're just, they're just rude. Like, I'm thinking yeah, about the crude. whole, like... Um, when, when one of the puppet characters is like interrogated by the police and she oh, does like God. the Sharon Stone like leg cross thing and then they like and show they sh- f- like a felt... yeah. They show like it literally. It is really graphic mm-hmm. and and unnecessarily. It just left me feeling unclean. Yeah, it, it felt so wrong. It felt deeply wrong. Like they show like a very sort of like uh, you know couldn't not. I'm not gonna say convincing, but they show a very <laughs> very. <laughs> I was fooled. <laughs> like and then all of a sudden there was a right. fe- human female. <laughs> And yeah, it was like it was a puppet, and then they cut to the the vagina, and it was a human vulva. <laughs> No, Jason, that was also a puppet. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, I was so close. I was like, I know that one. Know it when I say it. No, I don't. All right. Uh, so. Uh, that was so. And then there's. And there's so bad. And then there's a scene, you know, it thinks this is funny. Like, to have this, you know, this this main puppet character, this detective, Phil Phillips, is also kind of movie that thinks it's funny to just call someone Phil Phillips. They're like, mm-hmm. Phil Phillips, laughing already. Um, do have, you know, like this knockdown drag out puppet sex scene, mm. um, you know, that ends with like two or three minutes of, of, of Phil Phillips coming white, like silly string, um, all over the walls of his office, uh, while, you know, my Rudolph voice on the other side of the door, you know, it's God damn it. It's so, so, so not funny. And, uh, and Melissa McCarthy is, is so naturally hilarious and, you know, and, and there were moments where I smiled in the movie, and they were almost always because of her, uh, just because her line readings and her mm-hmm. energy as a comic actor are just 
enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But then also, I would then be, I would then remember that this will be remembered as an enormous blemish on her. It really um, has to be in a year where she already has one, as I mentioned before, life at the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worry for her. <laughs> I want things to turn around for her. Um, and uh, you know, this was so bad that you would almost think that it was one of the ones that she made with her husband. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was true of Life of the Party and also of Tammy, which is, is the other right. worst movie she's ever been in. Um, but no, this surprisingly is made by a Henson. Brian Henson, son of Jim, um, the the next carrier of the torch. He did um, a Muppet Christmas Carol and a Muppet uh, Vacation, or Muppet Treasure Island, rather. Um, did a fine job of the reins there. Did that Muppet TV show that was on ABC. Did the Muppet movies that have come out since. The ones, mm-hmm. um, uh, Muppets from Space and mm-hmm. that other one, Muppet movie. Um, this was, this is, I, I heard that there was like, I had heard, there were, you know, Puppet Reddit. No, I don't know. I read an article <laughs> that talked about how there were like parts of the family that were just like really, really against this well, and tried to like stop it from happening. wasn't there? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. should have succeeded. It the really should have. failed us again. Um... It's it's also terrible puppetry. Like the mm. one character that we talk about who does the leg cross thing, like her yeah. mouth doesn't move right. Um, I noticed that. The a actions, they do a lot of like full like full body shots of the puppets and they right. move really like slow and awkwardly in ways that you can see in the other movies that are, that are better. It's it is, not good. No, and there are all, and so this movie has so many sort of like, you know, different pieces to it that none of which connect or like, mm-hmm. you know, f- fuse in any meaningful way. So you have, on the one hand, you have this very straightforward, very cliche film noir plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have all the attempts at comedy, mm-hmm. which rarely have anything to do whatsoever with the actual plot. Right. Um, and then you have this, the insane, the craziest thing of all, which is its attempts to turn the entire, uh, to turn the puppet story into an allegory oh about race. So there is stuff about how, like, so Phil Phillips' brother <clears throat> was on this successful puppet TV show, the first ever, like, main main puppet cast TV show because representation. And um, but to become famous, the guy had bleached his skin and had a nose job to make it thinner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, movie, you have some fucking balls, right? That, and then, you know, they, they continue with the whole like puppets aren't welcome here or they even start out that way like mm-hmm. this is how like it shows puppets being arrested right it's very clear that they're making a connection between right. race and puppetry yeah, and like, then yeah sorry they had a like a like a black voice puppet that was part of the, mm-hmm. the happy time murders and then yeah. they like so then after they find that the first two people in from the move from the tv show have been killed they go try to go around and chase the rest of them to keep them safe but then they all get killed um so that's a weird thing that happens and is isn't doesn't make a lot of sense but then they go to find the next person, and he's a like a you know, voiced by a black actor. You know, with mm-hmm. like a black puppet, and then he's the one that's turned to crime, and he's the criminal. Mm-hmm. What the fuck movie? It is. What the fuck? It is. It is stunning. It is stunning. Uh, Vanity Fair has posited that this could very well be the year's worst movie, and I'm inclined to agree. Mm-hmm. I personally can't think of anything I've seen this year that was worse than this. Can you? No. I mean, this gives me um, 13 hours of Benghazi uh, feelings <laughs> that I, I mean, wish I had been watching 13 hours of Benghazi. Yeah. I mean, I'll say it. At least that movie was competently made. I'd rather watch The Book of Henry. <laughs> I mean, that's a special kind of bad. But yeah, this is just like, I think we both agreed. I, I If I had not felt obligated to finish watching it because we were going to be reviewing it, I would have walked out 10 minutes in. I would have walked out as well. Like, and I don't do that. I don't walk out of movies. When I start a movie, I finish it. I was ready to walk out. 
it was not funny. It was uncomfortable. It, it was awkwardly timing and pace would made no sense. The whole thing was just a giant waste of time. This one is clearly a send it back. Mass a send it back. Total abomination. Just don't even listen to that pot. Just skip right to the next review, <laughs> which is a really good one because it's for support the girls, which is our pick of the week. The general manager at a highway side sports bar with curves has her incurable optimism and faith in her girls, her customers, and herself tested over the course of a long, strange day. No trailer for this one. I'm so sorry. Um, Jason, do you want to just kind of do a quick improv of the movie? Or you asked me to do an impression of Regina Hall for you? No, the, the guy who owns the sports bar. <laughs> oh, that guy. James LaGrosse. Oh, right. Oh, right. <laughs> Wait, wasn't he on Ellen? That took you on a journey. Yeah, I think. Was he Was he like a boyfriend? He was a brother? Or a roommate? brother? Cousin? Oh, that was, uh, what's his name? The guy from... Uh, Entourage. Oh, Jeremy Jer- are you thinking of Jeremy Piven the whole time? They were both on the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like if you, there's so many for their famous people probably mm-hmm. on that show. Yeah. Um, and of course, Laura Dern. Of course. Most importantly. Um, yeah. So this is uh, this is just a real treat. Um, and uh, first off, I would also like to mention that having I watched the entire movie several days ago, and it took me until today to realize that the title is a double entendre. Mm, ah, yep. <laughs> and now Rebecca just like, joined me. That's a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> because, uh, you know, on the one hand, we are watching the story of this woman, Lisa, mm-hmm. Regina Hall, who is the general manager of this Hooters style restaurant. And we are watching her just spending her day doing managerial things, putting out fires, and uh, first and foremost, prioritizing her girls, mm-hmm. the staff, and supporting her girls. Also, you know what else supports girls? A bra. Mm-hmm. An over-the-shoulder boulder holder. Wow. Yeah. Haven't heard that? I just thought a... of it. No, I didn't. Oh. I did not. <laughs> um, so, uh, which is, you know, it's a little, little bit of a joke uh, right there in the title of the movie. But the movie itself is, is it's, it's incredibly low-key. Very low-key. Um, but not dull in any no. way. If there's a stillness to it? Yeah. Um, and... Just an in, a, incredible reality. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I know that place. I know those people. Uh-huh. I've worked with them before. Oh yeah, in retail. Um, and yeah, it's a it's like the character study of her, like yeah. a person who selflessly puts everyone before her and is always trying to save and manage and like, what's that? What's the phrase? It's like borrow from Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, is captured perfectly and like not in a way that's that's uh, very flatter or yeah. I feel like this movie does capture that experience of working in the service industry mm. um, better than I, anything else I can think of off the top of my mind. Yeah. Possibly because it, this is one of those just one day in the life stories. So the whole movie takes place on just this one day. And it doesn't even go until it gets dark. Mm. Um, it literally just takes place from morning until probably the afternoon on this one day. And, um, and, you know, and it starts with Lisa sitting in her car, just having a little morning cry before she has to go in and open up the, uh, open up the double whammies. And who doesn't do that? Yeah. Very relatable. And, um, and then, yeah, it's just like, it starts off with like very routine, very banal, uh, things like, okay, so there's some girls that are, they're starting as trainees today and, or they're, or they're actually just, there's interviews that are being done mm-hmm, with girls. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, oh, the cable's out. We need to get the cable back on because this is a sports bar and all the guys are going to come in here and want to see it. 
and um you know and then uh and then it's like oh this girl is is crying because someone said that she was fat and and then you know this girl had some drama with her boyfriend and and it's just like and you know and it's just this 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 non-stop you know there's always something that she's having to be chasing down and trying to deal with um and uh while also yeah training the girls on how to do this particular job mm-hmm. um and being incredibly resourceful being incredibly resourceful and um you know and then as it goes on these all these seemingly sort of disparate very tiny banal things all sort of mesh together really brilliantly um and sort of give us this really impactful portrait of these women and of this place and uh and also in in just the very the brilliant ways and it's there's no blunt exposition in the movie mm-hmm. everything's revealed so like casually and offhand and until you just get like a richer and richer portrait of certainly of Lisa and uh and then just of this entire milieu like the mm. entire like this 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 whole life this whole world this whole place and uh and and you know what else Leah Delaria <laughs> indeed she is in this and she is playing herself <laughs> she really is except with some kind of weird accent yeah she's I going think. Texan she's aiming for she's doing her best attempt it's not good at Texan it's not good it's not great Regina Hall's is great Regina Hall's is great and Regina Hall herself Oh my God, what a performance. What a performance. So Regina Hall, I have loved since Scary Movie first came out. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, I you know, have seen her in a lot of things over the years. And generally she has stuck with comedic roles or she's been cast mm. in comedic roles because she always bats them out of the fucking park because her energy is just so combustible. Um, and uh, But then in Girls Trip, she kind of played a straight guy in right. that. Um, her character doesn't really say or do a lot of funny things, even though she gets to be kind of very manic and very, you know, uh, as she's going on her journey of, of you know, her husband cheating on her right, and all that right. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, as far as anyone knows, as we believe I talked about last week as well, you know, Tiffany Hash was the only person in that movie. And you say that every week. I'm you like, know, we're talking about Schindler's List. You're it like, comes oh, up. Tiffany like, Haddish, well, I listen, edited her in. She would change everything. She would have, she would have given more. <laughs> <laughs> she would have sold more. She would have done more. I'm just saying. He knows, he, knows, he knows what he did. And he knows what he didn't do. Uh, so, but in this, um, it is a dramatic role. And it is just such an achingly human, fully dimensional, fully felt, fully realized performance. And, you know, and she has to play a really broad spectrum of emotions in this. And also while doing that kind of front stage, backstage self thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where we see, you know, the different kind of masks that she has to put on for different parts of the job. And the movie brilliantly show- has her gives us a lot of moments of her by herself. It's funny that when I was about to say, when you said that, like, it's interesting that like you have a movie where this, like there's a clear central character who also sort of fades into the background Mm, mm -hmm. while also being dynamic. It's a weird, like there, but not there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's, 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 yeah. And then she'll, and then she'll show back up and she, uh, you know, the, she has some really good angry scenes in this movie uh that she really nails and uh and you know and it's funny because i think just last week we were talking about this idea of you know how there's really not no such thing as like a conflict-free movie uh but this one comes pretty damn close to being Mm. conflict-free this definitely is i mean it is by virtue of being a sort of like low-key indie um you know like there's really no primary conflict it's more episodic Mm. it's just you know just handling these issues as they come and, you know, so we're just focused on one thing at a time with Lisa going through her day. And then while also cumulatively, this picture is being painted for us of Lisa and of the world she lives in. Um, the movie also addresses race 
mm. in a really direct, really blunt, but very just like everyday way. Mm, mm. Uh, because, you know, Lisa is black and there's one other black woman on the staff. And the white owner has um, a rainbow policy where he only wants one black woman working at any given time. And um, and the way they talk about this is a very in a very sort of like workaday way. Yeah. It's not presented as this source of great outrage. It's just presented as like this is the way he thinks. Yeah. And um, and you know, they have a, a I think right around the time where years cut off was when they were kind of having a discussion about mm-hmm. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, that all the conversations and the characters it all has just a very naturalistic feel to mm-hmm. it i mean i feel like it almost feels like a documentary yeah yeah no it does um and uh you know all the other actresses are great apparently the actress who plays the other um black waitress uh is a, a rapper named jungle pussy oh yeah yeah hmm. that was jungle pussy the whole time i had no idea she and was great she was great uh Haley lou richardson who wins me over in every movie she's in plays uh, an especially manic um cheerful waitress <laughs> named macy um, A.J. Michalka from the Goldbergs pops up for a bit. Um, as I mentioned before, Leah Delaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also um, the um, the evil bitch daughter from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt um, mm. is uh, is in the film. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's a great female ensemble. Uh, and it's just it doesn't it doesn't knock you over the head with anything. You know, like it, right, it, yeah. it very calmly presents a fairly intersectional portrait of race, class, and gender. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it does it uh, in a very, just with just a real light touch because I think it understands that like humanity kind of speaks for itself. And so if you just sit back and portray, um, you know, just a day in the life of average folks that, um, that like, it's all there. It's all there to be seen. And I think I also love the fact that it does focus that the primary character is a black woman mm-hmm. because I think it kind of helps challenge this idea because you know whenever we talk about like oh the 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 working class the you know the Trump voters and da, 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 you know we're always talking about like oh well it's it's white people it's you know it's white people who are right. doing these jobs that are you know that are being forgotten by the elites and that kind of thing and um and so I think that by telling the story of a black woman living in Texas who is you know managing um this chain restaurant that I feel like it really challenges those kinds of assumptions and those kinds of uh, just archetypes and stereotypes that that we've come to accept when we think about like, okay, if you're telling me I'm going to watch a story about the GM of a Hooters in Texas, like mm-hmm. you're not going to picture Regina Hall. Right, no. And uh, and so I think it's really sort of just very low-key subversive, just like everything else about the movie. Mm-hmm. I was looking up the director, yeah. um, who and I believe also writer, uh, mm-hmm. Andrew, uh, Andrew Bajalski. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know any of these other movies. Computer chess, funny haha. Results. Results. Yeah, I saw results. How was that? Uh, it's fine. Um, I would say this is probably his best movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is getting a, a binge it. Yeah, massive binge it. Um, it's it's you gotta if you know I think if you just stick with it when you're first watching it you might almost think like okay I'm literally just like watching myself go about my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know why is this a movie? Um, but I think you just stick with it. It's really, it, it makes a pretty strong impact and it's just such a beautiful gem of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also going to be out like on VOD as well now. Yeah. So when you guys listen to this, this movie is in theaters, but it's also available on iTunes, uh, to rent. So it is, uh, it is both in theaters and on streaming services. So, uh, you got no excuse not to watch support mm-hmm. the girls. And it's rated R for language, including sexual references and brief nudity. And that brings us to our last movie of the week, which is The Wife. The Wife. <laughs> the Wife. A Sorry. Wife? 
A wife questions her life choices as she travels to Stockholm with her husband, where he is slated to receive the Nobel Prize for Literature. Jason, you're a writer. If Scott won the Nobel Prize for Literature, how would you feel? Mm, I would say puzzled, <laughs> but still very proud. <laughs> so you know what? I didn't see it coming, but good for you. Um, this movie has some of your favorite characters in it. Does it? Literature. <laughs> Literature is a favorite character of mine. Mm-hmm. Meryl Streep. Glenn Close. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I take it all back. Is that a genuine muff up? It always is. I never know the difference. I'm sorry. I don't know the difference between them. Well, I'm not going to lie about it. You watch the House of Spirits at a young age and just confuse them from that point what on. What else can you do? No. Uh, yeah, this is Glenn Close. Uh, this is um, oh, This is just a really rich sort of literary adult drama. Like, it's it's just... It's it's sophisticated and it's 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 well appointed and and gorgeously acted. Uh, so yeah, so basically the premise is that uh, yeah this this guy has it's it's based on a, a novel by Meg Wallitzer, and uh, yeah so we have this uh, this this couple and you know played by Glenn Close and Jonathan Price, where the guy yeah has won the Nobel Prize for Literature and so he packs up the wife Glenn Close and then their mopey son played by Max Irons, who is um, the son of Jeremy Irons, mm. who was Glenn Close's co-star in Reversal of Fortune Wow! Um, as Klaus von Bülow. Uh, mm. So they pack up and they head off to Stockholm to uh, attend the ceremony to receive the honor. And um, and then, uh, but it turns out that on their, hot on their tail um, is uh, sort of a biographer of this guy or an aspiring biographer of this guy, played by Christian Slater. Mm. Uh, who uh, is kind of writing what sounds like an unauthorized work about him or is possibly trying to, you know, land an official gig being his official biographer, but is willing to, like, play dirty if he doesn't get that official gig. And so he's kind of a nuisance, and he's following them around and, and sort of hinting that maybe he has an inkling that there are some secrets about their marriage and um, and their, the nature of their relationship that mm. are not known to the world. And um and so and since Jonathan Price's character is very happy to just let himself be celebrated and feted um all over Stockholm, um Slater kind of preys on Glenn's character when she's just like minding her own business around the hotel mm. or in cafes, and um and uh, this kind of all plays out while we also have a um a flashback counter uh, a flashback narrative showing how Glenn and Jonathan's characters first met. And young Glenn Close is played by her actual daughter. Really? Yes. Um, a ravishingly beautiful actress named Annie Stark. Um, and I mean this is no shade. Does not look like her mother in the slightest. Uh, wow. It is you do not see a relationship <laughs> looking at them. Um, but uh, but uh, so yeah. So then it just kind of presents us this. You know, it's a very yeah. The whole thing is just sort of like this 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 sort of character chamber drama. And um, and it sort of you know builds up to this explosive uh, conclusion that it feel that feels very earned, and uh, just allows Glenn Close and Jonathan Price, but Glenn in particular, to do just some of the finest acting you'll see this year. Um, my one complaint about it is that it kind of wraps things up in what I would consider too tidy of a way. Mm. Um, but uh, but it is people are thinking that maybe this might finally finally be Glenn's Oscar moment. Oh my God! Because After she, being nominated so many times, never won. 
and uh you know which is absurd and uh you know and i don't i honestly i don't know i feel like the movie is too small i don't know that it's going to be and also it you know it's not coming out actually during Mm. fall you know it's coming out in august um so i personally don't know for certain but i think I think Sony Pictures Classics has it, though. I think, mm-hmm. which, I mean, they had Still Alice, and they, and that's mm-hmm. a pretty small movie that yeah. was un, fairly unremarkable, aside from Julianne Moore's performance, and they got her her Oscar, and she, like Glenn, was overdue after being nominated oh, many times. Maybe that's the ticket. So I think this could be, um, and I would dare say this is a better movie than Still Alice uh, overall, uh, so there could hmm. be, you know, other things out of it that make people want to watch it, but it is, she's just, uh she's just phenomenal in it. Wow. Between her and Meryl, how many nominations at this point? Oh, probably like 30. Wow. And, you know, 28 of those are Meryl's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, fair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is this anything like, uh, um, what was the movie with uh, Charlotte Rampling? Uh, 45 Years. Is this anything like, is this anything like 45 Years? <laughs> um... No, not not so much. It's not nearly as like quiet and interior. Mm, mm. Um, like since that movie was so much of that was just her alone mm. in the house, brooding, brooding, and you know finding things and sp- spooking herself. Uh, <laughs> I said spooking, not goose. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 this is a uh, and th- this is a lot more. Um, I would say there's a lot more energy. This mm. is this is it kind of it's 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 juicy. It's actually like it's like a what? juicy movie. And Sounds, it really is it sexual? Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of you know like the flashback to their sort of like you know the affair that started their marriage mm. uh, is a little scandalous. Um, but yeah, no, it's juicy, and you're kind of like, what's the secret? What's the what secret? What is the secret? Don't um, tell me. So uh, yeah, it really and it and it tells you. It's not. It does. Wow. This is not a movie that withholds. Um, it gives you the whole thing. As, um, uh, I can tell by the over. rating. <laughs> which is R for language and some sexual content. I hate to wrap that up so neatly, but uh, we're getting in time, Jason. I get it. And that is our show. We are giving it a binge it, right? Yeah, binge okay, it. just checking. Yeah, binge it. Binge the wife. All right, now that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Jason, you're on Twitter at... Excess Baggage. at Fight Balance. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There goes the binge.